Super Saturday is a term bandied about willy-nilly, but this round, ladies and gents, is indeed a Super Saturday to behold, with all five games predicted to be within a goal by the end result. So if you need a place to make a day of it, head on down to the Yorkshire Hotel. It's close to the G if you need a place to kick on after the action in Hawthorne Essendon. It has great food, premium beverages, and of course, an epic fireplace. The only thing you need to bring is your mates and your best footy chat. That's the Yorkshire Hotel on the corner of Punt Road and Language Street in Abbotsford, the proud sponsors of the One of the Odds podcast. But before we get to a massive weekend preview, we're going to dust off our very special crystal balls to see if we can predict if anyone can knock off those Tigers after another emphatic victory in round 19. And for that, I need the ammo super coach himself, Brian Randall. Welcome to the pod, Baz. You're probably right about that, amateur. Pretty amateur. So, yeah, no, don't know about super coach, mate. But uh, I heard that your boys, the under 19s, the um, the OBFCs, are you know flying high, top of the ladder. Oh, uh, yeah, they're equal top. They're doing well, mate. And it's not all because of me. Give you a tip. Uh, some very talented boys down there. And last week they were very good. Their effort was good, and uh, they put a lot of pressure on. And uh, the other team couldn't cope, so they got the reward. I'm yeah. sensing that we must have a fair few under 19 OBFC listeners because you're going very coy there. Uh, you're very side eye. You're very no, oh, no, you know. I'm going to rein it in here. No, you know what I'm like, mate. When it comes to coaching, players enjoy it. Players put in hard work. They they we, uh, deserve all the credit. And uh, us coaches just stay back in the back light. Yeah. And we just we just adjust a few things and make sure they're right to go. And you know the players deserve all the credit. Uh, another team that deserves a lot of credit after their dismantling of the Magpies. Yes, you were injured. Yes, you missed out on two rotations. But long story short was it was a convincing win for the Tigers. There was a goal that shouldn't have been allowed as well. All right, we're going to talk about that. You're going to bring it up. You're going to bring it on the side thing. So you're saying goal of the year is not goal of the year? Oh, look, I think uh, I might side with Nathan Buckley and say it's a spectacular thing. It's great for the game. But when the rules are, you know, there, and yes, you may have to go into slow-mo to see that he throws it up. So that's my point. Why was there a goal review in the first place? It wasn't because of the throwing. It was no, because it was to see if it's Darcy, Darcy Moore appealed for touch, but really he was just appealing because he didn't know what the bloody hell happened. Yeah, and he... So if there was no goal review, everyone just goes, goal, awesome. Yeah, but... The, no, 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 no. They would have slow mode it because they saw what happened. They would have seen, you know, he threw it up and stuff. And look, for the theatre of the game, it's great. And I'm only, I'm only just taking the piss yeah. a bit. But I'm more a bit disappointed in uh, Darcy Moore's effort. I would have... He could have tackled him, he could have smothered it, he could have done anything. He could have really. done a Heath Shaw smother from the grand final or something like that, but he didn't. And you know, maybe in the review, I think uh, there might be a few questions asked about his effort there, but who knows. But yeah, no, it was a good game and you know, we put up a fight, we're not good enough. I've said it all year that I'm just happy for us to play finals and you know, we got within four or five goals with all the stuff that happened in uh, in that game with our you know, two main defenders going down and uh, with Dusty kicking three or four, you know, Sharon Bear was playing on him when he went forward and he kept him pretty quiet as well. So, you know, it's when he goes down with the knee and how goes off because uh, I can't remember who it was, it might have been Townsend decides to, to scrounge him and then push him as the, as the ball comes in, which Richard are very good at. I might, uh, might get Clarko onto that with the umpires yeah. for the blocking. But, um, yeah, lose two main defenders, you're always up against it a bit. Like if Asprey and Grimes or Asprey and Rance went off, you'd yeah, be in the same sure. position. No, so. agree. But, yeah, no, we're not good enough anyway, so... Doesn't matter. Move right. on. We will. Two potential teams that are good enough to take down the Tigers. And if you are a believer in the quadrant theory, so for listeners at home, that is 
you have attacking points or attacking ratings on one axis, you have defense rating on the other axis, you divide them up into quarters and over the history of the, of the game of AFL, most of the premiership teams fit within the right-hand quadrant. That is, teams that are good offensively and defensively. And for this season, Richmond is the standalone team. And they've just moved into that band now. They've been going in an upward trend all season, but into that band where 10% of all premiership teams lie within. So they're, in, they're moving into the top echelons of teams over the history of, of Aussie rules. And more so to the point, they're moving away from the pack. So much like the latter... Richmond has a bit of a gap on the rest of the field, but then there's this massive cluster of teams from about 2nd to 12th. And right now, yes, while it's important, you need to make finals, you need to make the top four if you can, you need to try and secure home advantage. What you want to try and work out as a coach as well, in my opinion, is how do you beat Richmond? If it's a different team come you know, the end of September, so be it. You can rearrange your plans. But reality, everyone's chasing the Tigers. So how do you do it? And based on their four losses this year, I've come up with... The kind of areas or focus points in a game that you want to do, and they come down to five key areas. First one being, you need to be a team that wants to kick more than they handball. And that's something that Collingwood both years, both games this year have been found out on. Not because you overuse the football, but because you handball to go and try and release the kicker. But that involves five or six times of actually handballing where you can get mauled by that, especially from the back line. That, that kind of frontal pressure? Yeah, I think that, that changed uh, as the game went on. We definitely kicked a lot more, mm. especially longer to Cox. Whenever we kicked it, and Gary Lyon was Correct. massive for it, especially on the couch and during the game commentary, whenever we kicked it long into Cox, you know, they scrounged him, but he always brought it to ground, and that's when, you know, Josh Thomas and the likes Absolutely. Uh, got involved, and we kicked goals, and we got on top, and the only other time was when Nank was off the ground, which we just dominated the clearances. We got it to the outside a lot easier from... Uh, Grundy's ruck work, which, which stopped your uh, pressure around mm. the midfield, which yep. meant we got a lot more clearances and we got a lot more uh, inside, more efficient inside 50s. But and that plays into two other points then. So the next two points is to beat Richmond, you need to be a very good contested marking team or have good contested marking numbers because it means that you're doing the things that Collingwood did in the patch where they dominated. You have a, you have a key position forward or a key position player that you can hit up. Even if they don't mark it, they bring it to ground, and then it's then it's a 50-50 fight from there. Yeah. And the second one being, you need to work out how to take control of the midfield, and it's not one area. So a lot of teams are either good at hitouts, but actually pretty poor at clearances. And the number one team, and jumping down a little bit, is Melbourne for this. Maxi Gorn's such a such a good ruckman, has such a dominance in that one-on-one contest. He wins a lot of hitouts, but Melbourne only get a clearance one every three of those hitouts. Yeah. So having him is actually kind of he's not wasted, but they don't capitalise on his dominance. And a lot of teams like that. Adelaide's much the same. And then the lower rankings, Fremantle, Gold Coast. There's plenty of teams that have great Ruckman but don't capitalise on those clearances. And so what you want to try and work out is can you can you get an advantage in the hitouts? Do you have a clearance advantage? And can you do the both? So the number for that one is your, your clearance to hitout ratio. And then the other two major points there is you have to be super clean against the Tigers. Any turnovers, they just pounce. And if you're a fan of Premier League soccer, it's very much like Mourinho's Chelsea's teams. It's they don't want a lot of the footy, but when they have the footy, they're going straight for goal and going for the kill. Yep. And then they'll reset and be like, "No, you have the footy for ages. We don't care." And you'll see that often. Richmond will lose the disposal counts. A lot of the actual K- the regular KPI counts because they're not playing the same style footy as everyone else, and they don't they don't want to try and win possession numbers or time in possession. It's all about where the where the ball is and how long it takes them to go from having possession to scoring a goal. And the last one is that you need to reflect that. So you need to have really high 
score per f- inside 50 entries. You don't even need a lot of inside 50s. Just need to make sure when you get in there, you're making Rance, you're making Asprey. If he comes back, you're making Hooli a cannibal and scoring against them because otherwise they'll just disrespect you, move off their men, and then go and, and fill that space and then just rebound. So they're kind of like the five pillars, in my opinion, our humble amateur coaching opinion on how to beat Richmond come the pointy end of September. Of the teams that I think are going to be players come September, uh, we've got West Coast, Collingwood, Port Adelaide, GDS and Melbourne. The rest, I think, personally, are going to be also ran. So your your back half of the eight, so your Hawthorne, Geelong, Sydney, North, Essendon, and if by some miracle, Adelaide. Uh, those teams, I think, will just aren't good enough in general. They don't have the depth of talent. They don't have the, the game plan to, to win. But of that top six, I think there's probably two that can do it. So I think Colin got shown that they can't do it. Part of that's list. Part of that's just where you're at as a, as a club. Like you said at the start of the year, you'd be happy just to make funnels. Yeah. Now everyone's saying that last year was a grand final preview, which is jumping the gun a little yeah, bit. Yeah, well, you got Trelaw out, who's obviously a big midfielder for us to go as well. As, you know, obviously Ford mid... And yeah, our defence. I mean, like you know, Buckley said today that it won't, he won't allow injuries be our, you know, our excuse for the year. Or- I will though. If you look at the actual list, it's sixteen people that not your whole team, obviously, but sixteen people that would have it each week at selection committee be in the conversation to make the twenty-two. Yeah, it's, it's depth, and you know, you need depth as a, yeah. as a, at every club to be yeah. successful. And you know, I think. Uh, also, you look at the game on the weekend, you know, Pendlebury and Cyborg, when was the last time their, their uh, disposal efficiency was that low? Mm. That many disposals they had, which also shows how much pressure under whenever they got Correct. it. Correct. But yeah, I don't think we're ready. Melbourne and Port, everyone's saying that Melbourne's back after that Adelaide win, that their mental stability's there. That's all well and good. Maybe they have got over their hoodoo. But both Melbourne and Port fall into that to Richmond's pressure trap. So they both love to handball out of stoppages. They both love to keep the ball contested and inside. As much as Richmond likes giving teams possession, like they do to Collingwood, like they do to the West Coast, like they do to the Giants, if you have speed like those teams do, you're more likely to punish the Tigers. Melbourne and, the, and Port Adelaide don't have that. They want to just no. keep it and they slow out the, out the contest. Richmond is super quick, so it's, it's not going to work for them. West Coast and GWS, we've, I mean, we spoke about it at length numerous times about their game style and why they can beat Richmond and how they've gone about it previously and I think West Coast is only uh, downfall will be they need Darling and Kennedy playing and from what I saw against uh, North on the weekend and, and they played dumb football against North yeah they need those two big boys up front to because they're obviously contested mark players correct so it's Lysett and they need that to break it up because you need what happens is they kick, you can kick long down the line you can have those boys Mark and not allow an inset mark, and then obviously you can put pressure on the on the Richmond backs. Which, if you do, like any other side with their backs, if you put pressure on, on a backman or on a set of backmen, you're in a good position because you know, they're backmen for a reason. Mm. And uh, let's let's be honest, the rules favour the forwards, so you're already at an advantage. I'm more concerned about West Coast September credentials though after the weekend because it shows that they are still very much a Plan A team. I could not imagine that's. Adam Simpson didn't go to the team at quarter time and say, like, look, we cannot do what we do week in, week out. We can't hit slow high balls into our Ford 50 and just hope that our keys will will win it because they're not out there, boys. Yeah, and especially when North Melbourne are very good at that defensively as well. So, yeah. Matt Jack Doyle had a field day. Every time it went in, they just brought it to ground and it just came back with interest and they couldn't contain it in the end. And they, they nearly did for... Like, after the first call, they really should have been 
probably a bit further in front, uh, north, and it took them probably like sort of half before they really started to dominate. But West Coast were lucky to they didn't get an absolute hiding because that first quarter, I think it's most of the quarter it was in was in uh, North's Ford 50 and they just couldn't capitalise. GWS for me, and you know, we've written them off and now we're probably saying they're probably the the only other team that I can see at the moment beaten. As a Richmond fan, I'm super scared about the Giants. And I don't... I actually, actually prefer to play the Giants in the prelim than the granny. Because the prelim will be at, at the G and it'll be 100,000 Richmond fans. Yeah. And it'll be like when we played Geelong last year. I think it'll be, a hundred, it'll be pretty much the same in the granny. I'd rather but, play them in the granny because I'll have nerves as you guys have been there before. I'd rather play them in the prelim and have just have the 23rd man beating the crowd. Yeah. Because like 100% is still better than the corporates and whatever. And I just think that the Giants have got to the prelim so many times and failed that that's, that's a little question mark there for them. Whereas if they got through that and made it to the granny... Then I think that class and a kick over because that list, list v list, they got a much better list. Oh, they're a much better list, and they're playing a lot better footy. Like, you know. And then the thing, the only thing that saves us, and this is a bit of a dig and a bit of a knife, but I think whilst they got the better list, we've definitely got the better coach. Because I still don't think Lee and Cameron. And you see the things with their mega stars. You see the amount of players that leave that club, and you see how you know for for to pick out one specific example, how Jerry Cameron acts. I don't think he's I don't think he's capitalised on what he's got there. They're just doing it. Because they can, because they're all freaks, yeah, really. Exactly, and look, I think you got to give him some credit because he has actually changed how they've gone about it, and it's been successful since they were, you know, up shit creek a few weeks back. But whether that was player driven or whether that was coach driven, I'm not sure. And you know, we, it took us a while to hear about what happened with Geelong uh, all those years ago, but that could be the turning point for them. And who knows? But oh, yeah, they're the big danger here, and they'll they'll lucky to win last week because. Secured dominated most of that game, and especially the first half. Uh, Secured ended up with more inside fifties, but they just couldn't capitalise. And if you looked at the score, you think, "Oh, yeah, GWS had another good win." But if you actually watch the game, look at the stats, and you go, "Oh, how did they actually win that?" And it's a sign of a good side that you know starts winning those games earlier in the year. They would have lost that game, absolutely, and that would have given Secured a bit more opportunity to try and kick at least somewhat straight. Pull up in a dance, face two fifty on the arms, face. They hate me, I see why I'm so icy. I when Kim comes through, it gets spicy. Are you a bit concerned that a few teams are really pulling at the heartstrings this round to try and get up and about? So obviously Adelaide are out of the finals. That you know they've got uh, Smith coming back yep. from his knee, and you know they did the same thing for Slime. They announced he was staying five years. Exact same thing. Team meeting, bang, all the boys got in about. So obviously trying to add it, get them up and about. You know Walker's been smashed, and he's come out and said a few things and. He deserves to be smashed for what he did last week, but anyway. So this is going to be my apology to Baz and the pod, and I don't make any of them because often Baz is an idiot. But <laughs> Baz has been smashing Walker all year. You've yeah. been smashing him all year. Yeah. And some of it, I think, has been a little bit like well, you just don't like the character that it is Taylor Walker as a footballer on your telly, but you were proved correct last weekend. Yeah. Well, the guy acted like a bloody goose, and I personally don't think he should be captain next year. No. Like, the way he acts is not like a leader should act. No. And... Yes, you know, oh, he could get emotional, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, you're you're privileged to play AFL footy. You're even more privileged to captain an AFL club. 
And when you have a guy like Rory Slane, he's just signed on for five years, the obvious choice is that bloke, especially on that performance. But not that just that one, but that's the one that makes me go, actually, if you go back and look at the weeks where you've come out and criticised him, you go, actually, this is not a one-off. It's a repeating offence yeah, across it, many seasons. Like I said, I've got nothing against him personally. I'm just saying, as a, from a football player, like you saw it, they showed it on Monday night, all the behind-the-goal footage, for him going up to opposition players and roughing them up and yapping and yapping. But, mate, you haven't put your head over the foot. You haven't got a touch. Mm. Like, you're not influencing the game. Roy Stone laid something like, you know, 12 to 15 tackles off the top of my head. He had an influence on the game. He was good. Hugh Greenwood again. You know, like, there's there's other players in that team that are trying to stand up and, you know, malaria is, you know, trying to get, get them going as well. And he's just too busy trying to mouth off and get in people's faces. And it's it's been happening for two or three years. And... Last year they were good sides that got hidden a bit. This year they're not as a good, got a, I haven't been as a good team, and it's it showed more. He's been you know non non influence. So yeah, they're winning. They're winning in, dis, in despite of his performances, as opposed to because of them. Adelaide had that. Now Sydney obviously as well struggling a bit with form. Alex Johnson comes in. You know hasn't played for six years. Club loves him. Gets them up and about. You've got you know Geelong who you know they won last week against Brisbane, but their first half was pretty poor. That you know I don't know where Brisbane went with a minute to go before half time, but they I think they've started flying home. And you know they, they obviously only just got over the line against Melbourne, their car against Richmond at the MCG, and now Chris Scott he started coming out and talking the talk and trying to you know build the game up and get you know he started a bit of a war, and I find it good that Harvick just sat back and let him do the talking. And, like you did last year, if you if you uh, remember, as a team that started a war last year before a very big game. Yeah, it was postulization in press conferences. It was yeah. wide stares at the uh, national flag, national anthem, and uh, they got done. So yeah. good on you, Chris. So yeah, I just I just find it a bit funny this week that a few teams that have been you know not probably struggling a bit for form and you know struck, they really want to you know make a solid run into finals. Of it's almost like a last ditch. Attempt. Obviously, Adelaide have been a struggle to make it, and you know Sydney have been struggling, so they're trying to find that spark. And they did this. It was funny. They actually mentioned it tonight on three sixty. They did the same thing last year. They were struggling for a bit, and they went and watched Alex Johnson play in the in the knee foot when he came back from his knee injury. So, you know, they've used it before, and whether it helps again, whether it helps Adelaide at a big showdown and stuff, it's just a for me. I just I don't know whether you can keep going to that. Well, and I know Harwick and Buckley and a few other coaches have always said that you probably use it once a year, but when you start using it two or three times a year, and we've seen it with the doggies as well. Um, you know, Beveridge has used it probably nearly three times this year for effect for a week or two, but then it, they drop right off as we've seen recently. So I think you stick to your structures, you stick to your your stuff. Like I'm, you know, I'm not one for massive motivation towards players. I believe they should be able to get themselves up and. You know, I'll, I'll tell them what I think they need to hear as well, but you know they should they should really be motivated already. And I think trying to get these things that might work for one game, but long term it definitely won't keep them in good stead. So there you go. That's my little spicy hot take. I just think yeah, be careful with motivating through these sorts of things. Using the heartstrings is it can because it can backfire. Pull up in a dance, face two fifty on the arms, face. They hate me, I see why I'm so icy. When kill come through, it gets spicy. And on that note, we'll jump into our kitty check-in because we had a, we had a moderately successful weekend, mostly around the uh, Richmond-Collingwood game, so 
despite Collingwood getting done, Barrel got taken some cash, put a smile on his face. We got our best bet got up. Richmond won the fourth, quite convincingly, but definitely covered that four and a half line, and our roughy did as well. So Collingwood won the third, Richmond won the fourth. Yeah, look out for that during during the rest of the uh, rest of the season because yeah, Richmond for some reason just cannot win a third quarter. They're ranked second and last, I'm pretty sure, in third quarters this season, and pretty much first across all the rest of the KPIs. So. No idea what happens. Maybe they deliberately save themselves for the fourth. Who knows? But that's just how the trends lie. And if Fremantle weren't pathetic and could kick another goal or two, it would have been right there too. Oh, the same with GWS. If they didn't start late against the Saints, there's a couple of shoulda, coulda, wouldas. If if the Eagles had played up to their potential and not been done by them. We can't predict everything, but Richmond to win the fourth is pretty much immoral. (laughs) It's pretty much immoral. On to the previews. Round 20. One of the best rounds of footy for my recent memory and it kicks off with an intriguing game Richmond taking on Geelong at the MCG Friday night footy at its best forget last week because the chaotic nature of the AFL letter from positions 2 to 12 means every time Richmond plays a team between now and the grand final it will be considered the grand final preview if that team is in the top 8 currently Richmond blew away Collingwood in the final quarter as they have done all year but the Cats have had a very solid month They've come on the back of Tomahawk with seven-plus goals in two-plus weeks. Can the Cats from Geelong become the big Cats at the MCG Baz? No chance. None whatsoever? No. And the odds do suggest that. They are 310 outsiders. The line here is three goals, which is a bit of concern considering Chris Scott thinks that they are the team to take down the Tigers. Well, they won't, and Richmond will cover this line. They'll win pretty comfortably, I reckon. All right, this, seriously, this could be a bit of a, a blowout off here. Yes. I don't think Geelong A can handle the pressure. B, I don't run defensively hard enough. Who, you know, who's in a matchup? Dusty will probably start in the midfield, but if he gets held like he did last week, he'll go forward, and I don't see a matchup for him. I don't see a matchup for for Martin, really. I know Henderson's back, and he's, he played okay on the last two weeks, but, yeah, I think their back line is You very, wouldn't see Scott just go everywhere with him? Scott Sell would go everywhere with Dusty? He, if he, yeah, but if he, it's like Greenwood, you can go with him through the midfield. If he gets in a one-on-one down back, he's going to get absolutely. Like Dusty's too strong for that. That's why Scharenberg did such a good job on him when he was when he went forward. Scharenberg played him and went with him and kept him quiet. As when Greenwood got stuck on him when he went forward, that he kicked those goals. So, yep. yeah, look, I just I fear for John's backline. Like you know, they lost Tom Stewart to massive loss, and you know, Chris Scott's been talking about now Salwood going down back to play the Luke Hodge role. So, you know, he's already starting to think, you know, we're in a bit of trouble here. If he's starting to talk about that already, Nank should have it over him in the ruck. Uh, you know, Stanley's been playing some decent football, but, you know, I think Nank's a better better ruckman. Their midfield's going well. I know Prestia's out, but, you know, he, he didn't have much of an influence after he got caught that hit on the weekend. Yeah, so I think overall, better team and should should easily beat the Cats. And so based on those things I mentioned before, the five pillars to beating, to beating Richmond, they only really have it in, in two. So they have... And it all comes down to the one player, really, who supplies it all for them. If Tomahawk had an absolute field day, he, they, could, they could keep it close. Melbourne's the better game as an example. He kicked seven, they won by two points. Yeah. Like, so he lifted the gap between Melbourne and Geelong. Yeah. It wasn't like they were even teams and he put the cream on the top. Yeah. So if he goes out there and kicks eight, which I don't know how he does it against Richmond's back six, but if he did, then yeah, Geelong's in with the sniff. But otherwise, I don't think they have enough scoring power, and they definitely don't have enough midfield explosiveness. Even if Paddy and Joel and 
uh, Gary all get 30 plus, I still don't see them beating the Tigers in this in this scenario. You look at against last week against Brisbane, Geelong were in that first half. They were pretty lucky. There was probably three goals from about 20 metres out directly in front. Brisbane missed, and then it went down the other end twice after two of those misses mm. for, for a coast to coast goal. And you know Brisbane were. Should have been two or three goals up going at half time. For some how I don't know. Like I was watching it going, how is this happening? They end up going in two goals down. They had over 55, 55 or fifty six inside fifties. Brisbane. If Richmond have that, and they're probably a better, like I said, better midfield, better ruck. They're probably you know they're they're better than Brisbane around that sort of area, and they've got a better forward line. They will score heavily against Geelong. So you know, Brisbane score eighty points playing quick style of footy. Richmond aren't probably as quick and as smooth with their transition of football, but they do surge the ball forward and, and just pressure and keep the ball moving, and that will just catch Geelong out. And yeah, I, I really fear, I really do fear for Geelong. This could be, I think, could be one of my roughies. Is you know Richmond over forty? So that's a fairly good shout because the stats back you up here. So the Cats five of their last six games have gone the overs because they're easy to score again, as you said, and the Tigers have covered the spread in four of their last five matches. So over 40 would be a good shout. The line here is 18 and a half. What's the play, do you reckon, to round out the front end? Yeah, although win the last quarter, that's a given. That's, that'll be four and a half, five points, whatever that is, yep. generally. And yeah, the, the line definitely, and maybe if you've had a good week, pay week, you did some overtime last week, maybe just chuck a lazy tenner on the plus 40 or even plus 60, because this could, oh, seriously, this could be a blowout. Wow. Plus 60, cop that, Geelong fans. I'd be happy with plus 40, but for mine, Richmond to cover... And to win the fourth, they're both paying $1.92. All right, Saturday, Super Saturday, an actual Super Saturday football kicks off with the traditional time slot becoming the traditional heavyweight billing. Old foes lie in the sand. This is a rivalry that goes way back. Hawthorne versus Essendon. But we're not living in the past. We're in 2018. The Hawks have had an up-and-down season. The Bombers are charging late. A win keeps the victor alive in the finals race. A loss closes the door, pretty much. Who keeps the September Cinderella story alive in this one? This is how big this game is. If Hawthorne win this, and, and obviously if Richmond win and Collingwood win, they could go a game clear in the mm, eight. Yeah. So this is massive for Hawthorne. And for Essendon, it's pretty much season on the line. Yeah. Like if they win Every this, game from now on for Essendon, pretty much, yeah. because of where they are and their percentage is season on the line. And I know Hawthorne have got a pretty good... Uh, record against this. I think they won eight of the last ten or something like that. It was I heard on the news before. So, if that's the case, then how come Hawthorne are outsiders here? So Hawthorne are two bucks currently. I think the form lines and Essendon dollar eighty one. Two things: the form lines. So Essendon obviously you've been in really good form for the last ten weeks. They've only lost to Collingwood and Richmond. Secondly, is what's uh, Hawthorne's Achilles heel? Been saying it all year. Speed. And what do Essendon have plenty of? Speed! Now, Which got... is funny, because of... Uh... Anyway, I, I kind of want to tip Essendon, but I just think that Hawthorne have too much on the line, and they're too experienced and too too well coached for Essendon. And they won pretty comfortably last time, because Essendon went missing in their, in their third quarter, and in the second half, really, after half-time, they, were, they got they got smashed. Um, and I just think that I'm, I'm really 50-50 on this game. It's a no-bet game for me, and... They've already come out and said that you know they're probably going to tag Mitchell and stuff, which I think that plays in the Hawthorne's hands because if they're already worried about Mitchell, then yeah. they'll allow some other players. I don't, I don't understand why people are so obsessed with Mitchell, and I'm a bit, I'm a bit angry because whilst I am a very statistics and analytics focused person, 
Mitchell's raw numbers don't mean he should win the Brownlow, in my opinion. Like he's he in the games where he's got forty or more possessions, they've been fifty percent win loss rates. In the games where he hasn't, he's had fifty percent win loss rates. When he goes forward and kicks goals like he has in the past couple of weeks, and yeah, I'm seeing him having an impact on the game. But him having you know the first two handballs out of a stoppage, who cares? Like someone has to get the pill out. The same with Paddy Cripps. Like Paddy Cripps is getting huge numbers because Carlton suck. Both yes. don't suck. But their midfield isn't that deep, so someone has to do the lifting. Someone has to get the pill. In this case, is Tom Mitchell. Yes, he's a great player, but he's not—he's not a superstar. He's not a Nat Fife. He's not a Paddy Dangerfield. He's not a Dustin Mountain. But people talk about him like that, and they get obsessed with him. And that's why Bucks hasn't marked him in the past because yeah. he knows what a, he was. That he was a real deal midfield, and he goes, "I'm not scared of him. Like he's not going to hurt me if the rest of the team does their job." If, if, if. If I was Essendon, I'd be worried more about Bruce because he's in kick goals and Yago and Muir has been pretty good lately as well. Mm. So I'd be more about them and probably Smith. Because mm. they, and to be honest, Bergwijn was awesome last week as well. So I'd even put more time into those four than Mitchell. But yeah, I, I, I said it last week and they scored 100 points, but you know I can't see Mitch Brown having a game like that again. So they're really relying on their smalls and midfielders to kick their goals, to kick their score. And that, that worries me a bit with Essendon because they, you know, they're not a... And they've, you know, they've brought the pressure, they've brought the tackling, and Devin Smith's doing a lot. He's lifting, he's pretty much carrying it at the moment. So yeah, this, I don't know where their scoring's are coming. I think Hawks can cut that off. So maybe, maybe Hawthorne for the tip. But yeah, I'm dead set fifty-fifty, and I'll just not be touching this game from a punting perspective. Does the G come into it as well? So the records of the G, uh, the Hawks have won five from seven of their games this year. The Bombers are just one from six. And I suppose the way that they play and that, that weight to get into the back 50 and rebound is effective at the smaller grounds, especially yeah. Eddie Had, because you can go coast-to-coast super quick. And the G, obviously, more expansive. And you can channel you can channel teams into, into pockets that the G might easier. Like, well, Richmond like Rich, Rich and Collingwood really took out their runners at the G and it stopped their ball movement. And that, that, that would probably be where Hawthorne will be trying to do that. I want to take out the Sards and the McKennas and the um, McGraths and make sure they can't get the ball and run with it. And that it's probably easier to do at the G than it is anywhere yeah, else. So yeah. that also probably plays into their hand. Yeah. So I'd be going Hawthorne perhaps for a tip, but I have found an interesting angle in terms of the betting lines, and that is the Bombers are very poor third quarter teams. Still, still bad third quarter teams. Still terrible third quarter teams. The only team worse than Richmond at third quarters, whilst Hawthorne are excellent third quarter teams. So I've got Hawthorne to win the third. It's paying a dollar ninety five. And I was thinking about the over, but I'll probably leave that one alone. Super Saturday continues with a very interesting matchup. The Kangaroos face yet another tricky assignment. They got over the Eagles down in Tassie. Now they're heading north to Queensland to take on Brisbane, who are so dangerous, according to the bookmakers, that they're favourites at $1.81 against the Roo Boys, who are $2 outsiders. The line here is, of course, less than a goal. It's two and a half. Have the bookies got this one wrong, Baz? I don't think they've got it wrong. You reckon Lions are favourites against North? Lions have won about four games. It should be about $1.90 each. The reason why they're favourites is because they're ball use. So they they do lower their eyes. They don't kick long down the line, which is what North has set up for, which is what West Coast did numerous times last week and done last week. Just just played into North's hands. North are missing probably their (laughs) most influential player who has been awesome, and that's Sean Higgins. You know, Brisbane have been pretty pretty good the last few weeks. They were good for a half against Geelong. They were very, very good against Adelaide. 
They're a different team up there. We know that. We've seen them all year. They move the ball very quickly. They've got a you know, good spine. If they can hit the targets going inside 50, which has been their problem all, all year, they're going to cause North a lot of troubles. So it's going to be a really hot day. I think I heard uh, Wayne Carey speak about this game earlier. It's going to be 27, 28 degrees, which, again, for being from Brisbane, you expect that to play in their, in their, in their favour, especially after North played in, you know, minus... 57 degrees, whatever it was last week with the steam coming off the players. And, I, yeah, again, this is one of those games where North need to win to have any chance of playing finals still. Brisbane will want to knock a team out. I think this is the next part of their... I've heard people say, and I think I've even said it myself, like, you know, they're up for three or four weeks. They'll probably drop off for a few weeks. Had their drop off last week. Hopefully they stay up this week, get another win. And, uh, yeah, I think Higgins is a massive out and... I reckon the uh, yeah, it could be a bit of a bit of a shootout. Well, yeah, the last game between the two was round eleven. They had two hundred and twenty-eight total points. The line for this one, in terms of over under match points, is only one eighty-six. So I think I think this game is going over, and the Lions have gone over eight of their last twelve games. Uh, you can obviously expect goals. If this game is a shootout, it comes back to that Collingwood Brisbane game where your kind of decision making is really really important. Do they have the maturity now, having got a couple of wins, being deeper into the season, to if this game is, you know, six points each way, deep into the fourth, that you trust them to take the win? Not really. Not what I saw from them last week. Because in that second quarter, like, they were all over Geelong. They had some really easy shots on goal. They had, you know, really... They pretty much could have... They could have almost put Geelong out of the game and been up by four or five goals going into halftime. Like, seriously. Mm. But they're just... They're defending and the decision-making when defending or when the ball you know, was in their final third really hurt him because those turnovers like, killed him. Yeah. When they get when they turn over the footy, it just hurts them going the other way because you know, they kind of run... So committed, yeah. Yeah, so committed. So, yeah, and, that'll, and after what North did to West Coast on the weekend, again, on turnovers and from that slingshot style, if Brisbane turn over, it can go the other way just quickly and it will hurt them. So... Look, you'd want to go on form for the year, you'd probably tip North where it is and what you've seen in Brisbane the last five weeks you could almost tip Brisbane for me it's a sit out and just I wouldn't uh, yeah it would be an interesting game to watch be entertaining that's for sure I found an angle because I just love my quarter by quarter bets we think that Fagan has deliberately played it safe in first quarters this year to try and suss out how teams perform and whilst yes Brisbane's confidence and Brisbane's performances have increased a bit over the last month I think that's still a pretty true form line the Roos have also won 14 out of 18 third quarters. They're plus 177 points different. So for a bit of rough-rough, to keep this one super interesting for you punters, North to win the first and the third quarter is paying $3.60. I reckon I'll have a little nibble at that one. The big games keep on happening. The Twilight game, which I don't know why this is a Twilight game. Yeah, I don't know either. It's a showdown. Showdown 45, absolutely huge game. One team Adelaide, yes, maybe their finals are over, but... You know, they're like Essendon. If they keep winning, things happen. If Melbourne poos the bed, they can sneak a spot in the eight. Port are looking for arguably a top two spot now that Collingwood has a very rough run home. This is going to be an absolute humdinger. But as you've mentioned previously, have Adelaide played too much of the emotional card? Are they have spent all their all their biscuits too early in the season and poor going over this one? No, I think... I know what I said before, but for me... I, Adelaide smashed Port last time and Port just had a quarter 
they had that one quarter where Robbie Gray went, yep, yeah, all right, boys, put, I'm going to put you on my shoulders. Let's go. And we're going to go. And then the last quarter, they were they bloody lucky to get away. It was some poor um, poor work from Adelaide in the crunch moments in that last quarter, especially the last 30 seconds that cost them the game. And I think that the Crows are a better side. They're a better performance side at the moment. Again, Port are too, too reliant on too few to get the job done. Their bottom six to eight are really poor. Dixon stepped up last week when it was needed because that first half was quite dour and, and then Dixon stepped up and, and won the game, kicked four goals and came into the game. It was probably his best game for the year. Look, I, I, can't, get, I can't touch Port at the moment. They're being ordinary. They're ordinary against Fremont. They're ordinary against the Doggies. You know, they were ordinary against St Kilda for, for most of the game. They've been ordinary for, for a few weeks now. And again, I just don't think they've got the, the depth and they're not playing probably a, a, a game style that can help them. I think Adelaide, like, disappointment from last week, especially in that last call, they got back in the game and you know, had two pretty... Two if Eddie Betts kicks that goal with about 90 seconds to go, Adelaide win that game. Yeah, and, and um, Lynch had a shot as well. Like that nine nine times out of ten, mm. probably now as well. So, and they, again, they got to keep winning. And I just think that yeah, the runners of the runners of Adelaide, and especially with Smith and you know the outside players, and now we've given Tex a bit of a bit of a, a bake. bake. He's been baked all week in the media. This is the one we've seen. I brought it up a couple of weeks ago, but Tex every month he has one good game a month, and he has three dud games, and he comes back, and he's about due to to have a have a Tex defying moment. Where he'd be like, no, I am the leader that Adelaide need, yeah. and he'll kick four. And- so they'll get around even. Yeah, I, I, I just think Port Adelaide, sorry, the better team at the moment, and I'd just yeah take Adelaide straight out the win. They're over two bucks, and you know I think it's just good value, isn't it? As much as Adelaide lost to Melbourne, Melbourne are a side everyone's touted, so that's a decent. It's a decent. It was an honourable loss for them, especially how they got back into it. Yeah. And I think. Melbourne and Port play very similar styles, so they wouldn't. They essentially had the training run against Melbourne to try and beat Port in the showdown. They're a highly contested team. They'll either keep on the inside. They're not that fast away from stoppage. They are susceptible to being scored against heavily. So I think I'll be going with Adelaide as well on this one. Uh, the only other angle I could find here, if people think it's going to be close, you can get any other result in terms of quarter by quarter leaders is also paying two bucks. Uh, but for mine, I reckon the Crows to regain the dominance. And if you are going to burn an emotional card on this one to get up, who cares? Just say, look, we might we probably won't make funnels, so this is our grand funnel. Let's win the showdown if, yeah. you're, if you're a Crows boy. And in a chocker block schedule of games this weekend, here's one you could probably skip or maybe just watch the highlights on Fully Live at the end of the day. St Kilda are hosting the Doggies at Etihad. Whenever I see St Kilda being a favourite, I always find it quite strange to mind because, yes, they've been a bit improved, but really I think this is the flip of the coin of two poor teams laying to the bottom of the ladder. Because the doggies can bring it. They can. And against St Kilda, a good doggies effort in terms of just hassling and pressure would be totally fine because both teams really fail to score heavily. And so you're going to see probably a 60 versus 70, 70 versus 80 game each and flip the coin in the fourth. Yeah. I can't believe... I know Western Wales can't score. No. They really struggle to score. And... Yeah, you know, maybe St Kilda might amp it up here, but I know St Kilda are failed. I'm only thinking about whether the doggies are a chance, just because they can see this as a chance to win a game. And you know, St Kilda are really good against JWS last week, like I said, but they just couldn't convert. They they went inside 50, 450, 60 or times or something, and couldn't convert. They dominated the game, and GRS just was too good in the end. But 
Can you can you see a, 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 like St Kilda doing what they did to Carlton? Do you think they're they're, they're obviously better than Carlton? They're better than Gold, Gold Coast. Coast. They're probably better than than the Doggies. Yeah. They've also just had a few signings. They might name a few debutante and Freeman and stuff as well. You know, Doggies are obviously just decimated with injuries, and they've had so on average games they've had like the youngest team of the of the round for I think it's like 11 of the 18 rounds or something yeah. and it, most of those have been around 55 to 60 games so you can just see that yeah they're a very young squad we've, again we've you know, mentioned a few times this year I just saw 60 points or less or 61 to 75 for the doggies who have struggled to score you're getting 550 and 330 I reckon you could probably play around with that and maybe yeah 91 to 105 for Saints at 375 I, I, I'm liking my total, my total points yeah. at the moment because it's, it's easy to predict you've got lots of averages there you've got you know scores against scores for especially Eddie Had and you can you can kind of get a, a good read on it so either that or you know probably St Kilda almost 40 plus at 5 bucks yeah that's maybe a good shout there as well the Saints have covered the spread in their, four of their last five and the Doggies have lost their, uh, four of their last five games by an average of 53 points. Yeah. Once they get beaten, I think they just give up to be like totally brutal about it. The conditioning of the players that are in there, the, the depth of their injury list, a bit of their game style, the lack of their personnel. Um, they've also just... They've only won two fourth quarters this season. They're down 200 points in fourth quarters, so there's probably an angle there as well. But again, I'm, I'm not going to put any money on St Kilda. I don't trust them. They're in the bottom four for a reason. Super Saturday rounds out with a season-defining game for both clubs. We're heading off to the SCG. The Swans are in free fall. Their wings have been clipped. They've dropped from fourth to ninth after losing their fourth game from their past five weeks. And everyone has jumped on. Everyone's getting a, everyone's getting a whack. Buddy's getting a whack. Longmire's getting a whack. Apparently, Sydney should delist five of their best midfielders. Everyone's having the pot shots. Meanwhile, over in Pie Town, it was an admirable loss for the Collingwood Pies last week to Richmond. Yes, they went down by over 20 points, but injuries curtailed them. If you jump on the uh, Nuffy, Nuffy forums, they said if they had had a full bench, they would have taken down the Premier's. I don't, I don't know about that. But that's, you know, that's what that's the word around the street here. It's obviously Sydney versus Collingwood at the SCG. For all of that, Sydney are still favourites at $1.87. Collingwood, $1.95. The line here is one and a half points. My first question is, if Buddy's only trained for 20 minutes this season, should he play? I, I don't think he should. It well, seems ridiculous. There's been a better team when he doesn't play. If he's not 100% fit... He can't get That's up. not a hundred percent. And he can't get up the ground. Then I don't reckon I should be playing. If he's if he's trained for twenty minutes this year, he's not playing. I, I he cannot play. I reckon if they won a few more games, he wouldn't be playing. But they're, where they're at, they need to play. And I suppose like the other side of that coin is, yes, he's trained for twenty minutes this year, and he's still third on the Coleman Medal race. So yeah, like how good is he? <laughs> just just play him, I suppose, unless he doesn't, unless his leg falls off, but. It does seem a bit ridiculous that he's copying as much flack as he is. Unless he says, like, what's he, what's he going to do? If he, if he says to him, like, says he puts his hand up, I can't play. Yeah. Everyone's going to say, he's soft, you're not team focused, blah, blah, blah. Then he, and he <laughs> plays. Stiff on him, though. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's, yeah. And then he plays and he can't defend or do the forward pressure acts. Yeah. Everyone's like, why aren't you giving in? Well, it's yeah. like, you can't have it both ways. He's trying his best. He's not the fault. The, the rest of the 21 blokes are, in my humble opinion. Does Collingwood have the dominance here overall, though? They always, I think, in person, they had the better midfield. Take away my Collingwood, obviously. Yeah, you're, I, I, yeah, I, I'm you're obviously a Collingwood yeah. supporter. And yeah. 
I think I've been pretty level-headed with Collingwood this year. You've been too level-headed. I reckon we've missed out on some cash because yeah, of how, uh, how pessimistic you are about Collingwood, but anyway. Take away the build-up for Sydney over the last week. Collingwood win this. Collingwood should win this game and win it comfortably. Absolutely. But because of the build-up, that gets me worried because, you know, you know what Sydney are like. They're very... But I think we need to let go of that. I think we've seen enough to know that Sydney aren't the Sydney. Like, they've been in finals for eight straight years. Yeah. We, we've, we've, we've told coaches on this podcast that the game has gone past them in three or four. Yeah. And we're, we're banking on Sydney being Sydney because of what they started eight years ago. If you just, there if, is a potential. And I know we do the same with Hawthorne. We do we the do, same with Hawthorne. Yeah, we do the same. We, it's Longmire. It's Clarkson. It's these legends of coaching. We do a bit. They, we do almost do the same with Geelong as well. With Geelong, yeah. with Scott. Yeah. We're just saying that these teams know how to win, and they do. And that's what we're scared of. But that's myth. That's just... That's enigma. You can't you can't prove it. You can't show it. You can't predict it. And yes, they've been crap for five weeks. Take away that. that yeah. Ju- that they just beat North. They lose that. They've lost what the last five or six in a row. Mm. So their form lines aren't great. Our form lines are good. Yes, we've got some injuries, but our footy's good. Everything's standing up at the moment. We've got the four line that should really worry their defence. We've got our defence is pretty probably matches up okay on them. Our midfield and ruck dominance should t- have a good play. Our game style should tear them apart because we've got speed, we've got clean hands, we've got all that sort of pressure on them. We've got the inside mids to win it. We should be winning this game, but again, just that Sydney theory, that Sydney factor. We're at dollar ninety-five, two bucks around there. We should be winning. And look, if we win, I reckon we win by five or six goals as well. Like we should do, we should really cement our spot in finals because thirteen wins will definitely get you in the finals this year, and we should almost knock. Sydney out of the race but yeah you just get a bit worried about that it's like if Sydney played like they did last week it was just safe long down the line all the time they wouldn't take the game on and you know, they're missing they were safe they were timid and they were slow and they missed, if they do that against against no Jones as well Sydney. who's one of their players who's he's a designated kicker he's a designated runner you know they might bring in McVeigh and, and stuff like that who you know clearly not 100% but they, they're that desperate then just surely Collingwood's game plan it was, it was set up nice so they can take as long as they want down the line because we'll be set up beautifully it'll allow Darcy Moore to run and jump at it surely we'll be fine with that so yeah Collingwood to win two bucks easy cover the line easy probably overs as well because I reckon Collingwood can score heavily against Sydney yep so and Sydney will obviously want to score as well because it's the only way they're going to stay in the game I can't see it just being an absolute slugfest because the weather won't allow it either so yeah, I just think Collingwood to win. And hopefully for once this year, I'm confident that I don't get home, watch the game, and we get beaten, and I'll be pissed off for a day or two. I found a little uh, rough nut there as well. The the hero in the red and the white will be Alex Johnson this weekend. He's paying 3 bucks to get 15 disposals. Oh, there you go. He might get a 15. He yeah. should. He's playing, he plays back line, so... Yeah, 15 cheapies. Few, yeah, few cheapies. I think, you know, you can have it both ways. Get the win and the heartfelt story... And, uh, you know, sign off on a Saturday, super Saturday, with uh, full pockets and happy smiles. All right, Sunday, we come a bit crashing down until we get to the final game of the round. But to kick it off, we've got Carlton versus GWS down at Etihad. Carlton come off their second victory of the year. My only question is maybe they enjoyed it a bit too much. They openly came out in the media and said that they shed a few beers, which obviously is footy chat for a lot of beers. And uh, I think that's a bit concerning because... You won two games. You won two games. Calm, calm down, Blue Bates. Calm down against Jervis. Who calm down. Internally would have been pissed off of last week's performance. They need the hunt percentage. Just seeing what happens to teams if you don't hunt percentage. And Jervis tend to, to 
you know, fall away when that comes to bottom teams. Absolutely. They, they get themselves up for the top teams and play really good for you. When it comes to bottom feeder teams, we like Carlton, who, you know, should be disbanded and, and playing in Tassie. Um, <laughs> that's one for you, Fran. Um, you know, they, they tend to drop off a bit. Yeah. So for me, just surely GWS come out and just put the foot down after the boys have been boozy in Gold Coast. They didn't get home to Monday. And the game was poor. Like, their skill level... Like I know they won, but I watched the first probably 10 minutes of that game and I went, wow, is either team going to be clean enough to score? And whenever I flicked it back and watched a bit of it in between the other game, I was like, I just can't... I can't watch this. It's It was not great. And you just, you just backed GWS to smash them. Yeah. There is nothing Jeremy Cameron's in the back as well. So, who's going to play on him for, from a defender standpoint? And, yeah. And... Finally, I'm glad GWS have finally just keep sticking with keep sticking with Dawson Simpson. Just keep at it. Let Lowe play in the forward line with Cameron, and you'll be fine. Yeah. So unless there's a, a weird case of the Giants lowering their colours like they did last year in the the Carlton GWS fairy tale at this very ground, pretty much at this very stage of the season, I do not see this being within sixty points. But I the line here is something. Fairly horrendous, like 46 and a half points. And once it gets over 40, I don't want to bank on it. No, I don't. I don't want to bank on it, so I'm not touching it. Don't touch this game, but Giants win. They win very comfortably, and uh, just sleep in. Sleep in Sunday after. Prime time's on Sunday, which is Melbourne, who are paying $1.04 against the Gold Coast Suns. The line here is 64 and a half points. And we're playing at the MCG. Yeah, but we know what, what Melbourne are. They love it. They're they are flat, flat track bullies. They're downhill skiers, and they're playing one of the best teams to be a downhill skier against. Because they give up. Yep, and they've got no skill. A lot of players are leaving. A lot of media talk about their, their team next year and stuff. And Melbourne be hunting percentage. It's just an easy game. This is, this is their bathwater feeding game because they're going to drink plenty of bathwater, win by 100 points, and then next week get beaten. You know what? I've got some spice for you, Baz. I don't usually do spice, but I've got some hot, hot spice for you. Yeah. If Melbourne win this game by more than 100 points, yeah. they lose in the finals in straight sets. Oh, yeah. I've got no doubt. They're going to be a 10. No, but as in, like, if, if, this, if this ends up being a gritty, hard-fought game, that's going to be better for Melbourne in the long oh, term. Yeah, yeah. But if they go out there and it's going to be globetrotter football and they win by 100 points or a massive margin, it's going to be bath all the time because we're about due. Yeah, we're about you. Yeah. They got heartbreaking loss. Like it's this is a classic soap opera when it comes to the Melbourne Demons. Heartbreaking loss, gritty win, massive win. Oh, they're the best team in the competition. They're going to take down Richmond. Heartbreaking loss. You can't do that in the finals. Yeah. You're going to get found out. You know what their record is against top eight teams? None. None. None against six. How many top eight teams they play in the next four weeks? A few. Three. This is their soft including game. Including finals. Yeah, oh, they're including finals. Well, they'll play five. They'll be zero and 11 for the year. Straight sets out. You pretend to the demons, but enjoy your 100-point win because you copped a few back in the dark days. And to round out a super round of footy, 440, El Primo time when it comes to West Coast games. West Coast are $1.15 favourites against Fremantle, $5.50. The line here is six goals. The bookies don't care that Fremantle is a better team at home because they think after getting done in Tassie, they're going to make an absolute statement when it comes to the Western Derby 48. Do you see anything not going to plan here for the Eagles being back over in West? Sunny West Coast at Optus Stadium. 
they, they should win. be they, they win full yeah. semi they'll, they'll win they'll win comfortably they won't I don't know about the line I think the line might be a bit generous but um, yeah Fremantle can't score it doesn't matter who they have in their four line they're struggling to score I'll be uh, getting on uh, Freo probably 0 to 60 and 61 to 75 depending on what's paying if it's both over threes you should probably stake that out a bit but um, yeah I'd, I'd be yeah West Coast comfortably they're they need to finish second. They probably didn't bank on losing last week. And they can probably play that game style they did against uh, North and get away with it against Freo because Freo don't have the defenders. So that's my only question mark around this game is that if you're Adam Simpson, yes, you need to win. You need to win big to finish in the top two. But against these lower teams, do you need to start trialling a, a plan B, a plan C? Because they don't have one. Clearly no. against the Roos, they said, we don't have one. we got this one game style. That's we're going to play. They need to. Uh, they just need to bank as many points as possible. They need uh, like percentage points because yeah. they want to finish top two. GWS will be coming. Melbourne, you know, Melbourne next four. They're in the hunt as well. They need to make sure they got a home final. So for their and they probably want to avoid Richmond. So they probably want to almost finish top. So which is pretty hard for them to do now because they bank on Richmond to lose. But if they finish second, then they've got literally one foot into the grand final. So. They need to win and they need to win big. Everyone's favourite time of the podcast. We're going to make some audacious bets and hopefully make you some sweet, sweet cash. Our feature bets for round 20 are as follow. We start off with our best bets. Mine will be Friday night, Richmond, to win the fourth quarter by five and a half points. Because that's just what the Tigers do. Your best, Baz. I'm going to Addy. I'll put my uh, bias hat on, my heart, and Collingwood to win at $1.95. That is delicious. It's going to pay off either way for the listeners because if they lose, it is just going to be catastrophic for our nuffy friend to the right of me here. And if they win, you get some sweet, sweet cash. All right, value bets for mine. An interesting one here. I have Hawthorne to win the third quarter against the Bombers. Paying $1.95, which is not amazing value in, in a straight-up money value way, but it is paying over what it should be. Essendon are terrible in the third quarter, even worse than Richmond. Hawthorne are amazing, so that is paying a lot more than it should. So you can stake it out, bank all the rest of your weekend with that one. Your value bet, bats. Just Adelaide to win, $2.10. Absolutely down in the showdown. My Ruffie getting into the quarter-by-quarter, quarter, bit of a trend for me for this week. North to win the first and the third quarters against Brisbane is paying $3.60. Uh, Richmond to win by 40 or more, $3.60. Which will be a great way to start the weekend. And I don't even know why we keep on doing it, but for the sake of shits and giggles, here is our round 20 multi. Melbourne by 40 plus. Richmond to cover the line, 18 and a half. Collingwood to win, Adelaide to win, $9.50. There you go. A modest one, but we just want to jag one. We just We've jagged wanna... a $5 one, that's it. So we're going to double that and try and jag a $10 one. And if we do, we'll be wobbling again. We'll be like Melbourne. We'll be up and about, head wobbling, and then come crashing back to reality in round 21 when our multi does not get up. But the rest of them do, especially our best bets, especially our roughies. Follow them. Follow us at Twitter, at SC underscore mag underscore Oz, at Hunter G Meredith, at Barrel underscore Randall. This is all the odds, and we'll see you next week. Yeah,